it's really, you know, that was kind of funny, but it kind of was birthed out of the weirdness of something that happens every year. That is, we know where certain things always are because we pack them away in a particular way. I mean, these are, we do not buy brand new trees and lights every year. Somebody praise Jesus for that. Right? But uh, for some reason, we always lose the manger. Always. It's like every year, it's like, where do you put the manger? I really believe Tim Romo does this to me on purpose. I really do. I think it's a way that he tests me because, uh, you know, we're looking around, can't find it. Diana says, you know, it's probably out in the shed. No, it's not in the shed. I've been to the shed. It's not in the shed. Where is it? Let me call Tim. Well, it's in the attic. It's my best Tim Romo impersonation right there. And that was pretty good. Love you, Tim. Thanks for hiding the manger, okay? Thanks for hiding it. It's always somewhere else. And maybe that feels like your story. Have you ever felt like you couldn't find Jesus? Have you ever felt like even in a season such as this, as we roll into this, have you ever felt like, what happened to Jesus? What did they do with Jesus? Where, where is Jesus in my life? Where is he in my heart? If you were with us this past Wednesday, uh, Wednesday was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. You guys are blowing me away today with the, the, the crowd that came to church today. Uh, we're just about maxing out as far as what we can handle, uh, but we're not. We still have room for more. Hallelujah. Uh, but uh, uh, Wednesday was one of those services that you don't expect very many people will show up for because it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. But thank you, Governor Northam, because people are having to stay home so they can come to church. All right. So uh, I uh, Wednesday night we had some folks here, and it was just worship. Our praise team was so fantastic. And, uh, and Emery's not here today, but uh, how many believe Emery deserves a day off on occasion? Anybody believe that? I mean, he needs to go breathe, and I'm glad he can be with some family himself. But we opened it, and I had some that were set up to testify, but. We wanted to just give some statements for Thanksgiving. I put a microphone down in the center on a stand so that people could come up, and they just blew it away. Was anybody here Wednesday and heard the stories that I heard? Yeah, praise Jesus. It was, it was so spectacular. I, I heard a young lady just open up her heart and pour it all out to the Lord. I mean, when teenagers are able to do that in church, isn't that pretty spectacular? And then one after the other individuals got up and they were honest. I was so pleased. You know, people are here in the room that you're in right now, sitting six feet or so away from you, who have had stories of massive attack and brokenness in their life. Individuals that were so lost that they didn't think they could ever be found. I mean, we talked about this incredible, these incredible stories of lostness and, and honesty just showed up in their life, the reality of their stories. You see, I'm reading Luke chapter 2 in this story of shepherds coming to find Jesus. And the storyline is this, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And I, I want you to kind of get that particular moment. That they wanted to find the Savior and they hurried off and found him. Kind of like you do on a Sunday morning when you're about to be late for church. And you just pick up the speed and get yourself there. Because you know Jesus is at church. But you know there are some people that came to church and didn't find Jesus. There are some people 
Come on, there, there are some folks that listen to good Christmas music and still can't find Jesus. There are some people that can be so lost, but I want you all to find Jesus today. I'm, I'm telling you, I want you to find him. I want you to know Jesus, but in reality, some of you have really struggled in this journey. There's uh, another individual that was struggling. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 8. He sent some guys to Bethlehem, and he said this, and listen, listen to this, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Uh, just so you know, that is the biggest lie in Scripture, all right? It's just a massive lie. The guy who was saying that is so messed up, he did not want to worship Jesus he wanted to protect himself. He was much more into himself than he was the Messiah that would come and bring salvation to the world. His name was Herod. And Herod told the wise men, he said, I want you to go and find Jesus. And when you have found him, come back and tell me. I love, I could, you could almost hear the ecclesiastical sounds to his voice. He probably even had some vowels and V's in it. Go thus now and findeth my Messiah that I... He wanted to murder Jesus. And after he couldn't find him, he murdered so many children just trying to kill Jesus. Can I tell you that the spirit of Antichrist is in the world that we live in right now? And there are some that would like to assassinate Jesus. But can I tell you, he was already killed on a cross. And after three days on the ground, he rose again victorious over death. He can't be killed. There is a spirit of Antichrist in the world that we're living in. They want to destroy the message. They want to shut the church down. Want to make sure that we just share the message that we're supposed to share. But can I tell you that we will continue to preach the gospel of Jesus, the good news to the broken. Whether you're here online, you need, you need to answer this, and then you need to ask the question. And Christmas season might be a really good time to do it because you need to find some reality and honesty if you're ever going to find Jesus. Are you ready? Hashtag, are you lost? Hashtag, are you lost? Are you lost? Are you lost? No, I'm just really confused. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I'm not lost. I'm just mad. Pretty much the same thing. Are you lost? Are you lost? Do you like to talk to people? I know some people, a quiet day where nobody, they have to talk to nobody is really a good day. Right? For me, I have to talk to people. I hardly ever have that moment where I have an opportunity for interaction where I think, oh, man, here I got to interact with somebody again. That, this doesn't happen with me. I'm not built that way. Uh, and uh, even if I have other things to do, you know, I, I'm, I'm into that. I'm into the conversation. Uh, I've talked to lots of folks over, you know, people, if you're going to wait my table, we might talk about your soul before the end of the day. Uh, if, if you, you know, it, it, I was at Lowe's, okay? I was at Lowe's. Uh, picking up some stuff because I'm a guy and I have to go to Lowe's or Home Depot. I have to do that because that's what I do. I need that tool. And uh, so picked up a few things and uh, really picking some things up for the church signs with me and we, get, we, we go through the line and just about ready to check everything out and the nice gentleman says to me, uh, are you military? Which always makes me feel good because I think I look like I could be military. And uh, so I, I always have these wonderful quips that I come back with. And 
Uh, some of them, it's, one of them is this. No, but I'm thinking about joining. Can I still get the discount? Uh, doesn't work. Uh, or, you know, I was going to join, but I'm too old. I keep applying. They keep turning me down. Uh, I've been on all of the military bases. I've used that one. I've been on every military base in the area, and uh, I've been on some ships, uh, you know, and uh, 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 it never works, okay? But I didn't use that, you know? I asked, he said, so are you military? And this, it didn't come off mean. It came off nice. I said, he said, are you, are you in the military? I said, no, are you? And uh, it just, it was out before I knew it. I thought, I just wanted to, ever, anybody ever say something, just want to slap yourself? Uh, but he, he didn't take it in a bad way. He said, as a matter of fact, I, I am. And then I looked at his name tag, and it said, proud veteran, right under his name. It had an American flag right there. It said, in over my head now. And I didn't even have to facilitate any more of the conversation, okay? It was a long line. It was Saturday at Lowe's. And did you not know everybody in town is decorating their house for Christmas? Now, there are more lights now than ever before on the houses in Virginia Beach and Tidewater. They're just everywhere. So the line was long, but he thought it would be a good time to talk with me. I didn't even realize the line was behind me because we got in this conversation and, you know, Diana's there hand holding the stuff and I'm, and the guy begins to tell me, yeah, I was on, in fact, he said I was in an explosion in Fallujah, uh, and it wasn't the enemy. I, we were on a hill in Fallujah, and it was, it was an accidental explosion that took place, and all of us that were on the hill were blown off. I don't know. Some of you could probably tell me more about that sort of thing, he said, and we were, many of us were injured. I was injured, he said, and he began to tell me about that, and I'm just, he begins to show me his scars, and his wounds, and I just wanted to stand there. And I said, you know, finally, you ever get to that place where you're in over your head? It's like this guy. And I said, man, I'd salute, but I just don't know how. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm not that. So I gave him one of the best ones I could. And, and I blessed him and thanked him for his service in the military. And my heart was just, I just, I, that moment is just so real to me. I mean, if you see him at Lowe's, go and ask him, so are you in the military? Tell me your story. Maybe he'll tell you too. But uh, I, my, my thoughts, my heart began, if I could stop at every checkout counter and ask them about what explosion they were in, I'll bet most people have a story that somehow, and you might say, well, it wasn't a hill, uh, it, it wasn't Fallujah, it wasn't that. Well, what was it? It was, an, uh, it was, it was some kind of explosion where your life kind of blew up. You were there with friends. At least you thought they were your friends until everything blew up in your face. You were, you were just minding your own business. You were just kind of doing life, and suddenly you realize this relationship is a mess, or suddenly you realize that your children really need help, or just suddenly the financial, financial floor just fell out from under you, and, and you were just in this struggle. And then there's this question. Anybody ever yelled out Jesus in a difficult moment? Have you? I wonder. I know one brother at one time, he was in a, he was in a car accident, and he, he told me, he said that he was coming down the road. He was coming down uh, 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 Potter's Road, and there was a car that just slammed on his brakes, and there's no way he could miss it. And all he did was yell out, Jesus! Anybody ever done that right in the middle of it? Not that you're trying to be angry, just, I don't know, inside I'm thinking, maybe Jesus isn't paying attention to what's going on in my life, so I ought to be a little extra loud. Jesus! I'm lost. I don't know what to do. 
with this particular situation, with this condition of my life. Jesus, it's me. Remember me? Baptized, all of that, remember? Remember the church? Went to church last Sunday. Remember? I even prayed a couple of weeks ago. Jesus, it's me. No matter how lost you are, I have good news for you. Jesus came to find you. Yeah, praise Jesus. I just throw this. This is one of the prophetic scriptures. Anybody love prophecies in the Bible? I just love the prophecies. Ezekiel 34, I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. It's not one of those that you usually pull out, you know, like Isaiah 61 and others. But it's, it's really comparative to that. Uh, one of the reasons I love Christmas prophecies is because of the, the stats that go with them. I mean, uh, there was actually a mathematician named Peter Stoner who did the math. Now, here's something that you might understand, okay? So if I took eight tickets and I dropped them in a hat and I marked one of them and I blindfolded you, which is easy these days, just take your mask and pull it up over your eyes, and uh, I blindfolded you. That was funny. All right, so there you go again. I blindfolded you and I said, I want you to stick your hand in and pull out the one ticket that has been marked, you would have a one in 10 chance of winning. See, I'm a mathematician. No, no. Okay, so this guy, was, this mathematician, who was the chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College, he got some uh, students together to do some research, specifically looking at eight specific prophecies about Jesus. And because of the years that happened before, if they were just statements that just happened to take place. Because all of the prophecies in the Old Testament prove that Jesus is the Messiah. He is who he says he is. You get that? Jesus is real. He's real. He really lived. But if you look at the prophecy, so when I, when I say all of the prophecies in the Bible, there are massive prophecies, you know, that he was born of a virgin, that, that, that he was a suffering servant, that he was beaten and he was killed, that he would bring a new covenant, that he would bear our sins and suffer in our place, that he would be a prophet like Moses, that he would one day come riding triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey. Remember all these moments that he would be known as the son of God, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. All of that is in the Old Testament, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus was born. I love this because Jesus, when he came to the earth, he fulfilled all of these prophecies. So one in 10, if you put 10 tickets in a hat, one in 10 to the 17th power, that one individual could fulfill all of the prophecies that had happened before. One, okay, give me, let me give you, because some of you said 10 to the 17th power, what was that? One in one quintillion. Did you know there was a such word as a quintillion? Anybody know that besides me because I looked it up? Okay, I figured you would, okay. One quintillion. So what I'm telling you is that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy proving that he is the one who came to find you. 
He is the only one that can rescue us from our brokenness and from our lostness. He came into the darkest place in order to find us. Now, this Jesus fulfills that. That was part of the prophecies. Praise Jesus. That was part of it. Like in uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. In fact, he opened up a scroll and he revealed this because it's Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Say the poor. poor. Anybody ever been poor before? Okay. He has proclaimed freedom for prisoners. Anybody ever been a prisoner before? Anybody ever been a prisoner of something other than a prison cell? And recovery of sight for the blind. Anybody ever been blind? I mean, not just, not just physically blind. How about spiritually blind? Because Jesus actually said there are individuals that are blind that can see better than some of you because you are so blind. To set the oppressed free. Has anybody ever been oppressed? Felt overly oppressed? So Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to do all of this. I love this list of constant miracles because Jesus came and your lostness could be defined as your poverty or could be defined as your prison or your bondage. That's your lostness. It's like, yes, I believe in Jesus. And yes, I'm going to put a lot of lights on my house for Christmas. But in all of that, if you don't find Jesus, then you're still lost on January the 1st. You're still just as lost as you were before. Jesus did not come simply to leave you in your lostness and give you more religion. He came to set you free from all of your brokenness. And right now, Jesus is speaking to you. Right now, he's speaking to you. Listen to him. Don't harden your hearts. He's speaking to you. What we were singing, he was speaking to you. On your way to church today, when you turned online, when you turned on Facebook or YouTube and you started listening, the Lord was speaking to you. By his spirit. It's weird too because we're good at hiding. It's like we're lost and we don't want to be found. Amen. Story about that guy is in Luke chapter 19. Remember that guy? Remember this guy? Jesus is walking through the city. Everybody wants to see him and he looks up in a tree and there's this short little guy. Hanging on a limb, well-dressed, looks real good. He's got the latest of everything, wearing the bling. I mean, he is made up looking good. Everybody knew him. Nobody liked him. He had a big house, but nobody would come to visit him. He had plenty of land, but everybody stayed away from him because he was the worst of the worst. He was that sinner who hurt everybody. He had a reputation for not being trustworthy and taking away your money. He actually had a franchise with the Roman government for taxation. The franchise, you do whatever you got to do, but you collect this particular amount of money. So he could stand at a bridge and he could say, look, if you're going to cross this bridge, you're going to have to pay this particular amount of money. And then he would take a little bit extra for himself. Everybody knew Zacchaeus. Everybody knew him. Anybody known that guy? Anybody? It's almost like we would like to say... Well, you know, I may be bad, but at least I'm not Zach. If there's anybody named Zach in here, I'm not speaking about you, okay? At least I'm not that guy. 
Yes, I made some mess with my life, but I'm not him. I love the way Jesus picks people because he comes by that road and stops at that tree and he looks up at that guy that nobody loves and nobody cares for and everybody despises and he looks at that guy and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going to your house for dinner because I know you got plenty of food and I know nobody else is going there because ain't nobody else likes you. I'm going to your house and sit down because as I was walking down the road, I was looking for lost people and you're that one that was more lost than anybody else up and down on the street. And I was drawn to you. I was drawn to your lostness. Praise Jesus. Again, I wish you could hear some of the testimonies from this past Wednesday, brother. Testimonies were powerful. Some of you walked up here and you told about your lostness, and then you just kind of revealed things and confessed things. Like, no, no, don't say that. I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. But welcome to freedom. Welcome to freedom. We got a bunch of busted up, broken up, messed up people that Jesus saw on a tree. And then he said, today salvation is coming to your house. And then he makes this statement, because even though nobody likes you, you are still a son of Abraham. In other words, there's still a covenant promise that has been laid out for you. And I'm coming to your house because these guys think I came to seek and save everybody that had it together. But I came to seek and save those who are lost. So the more lost you are, the more I'm searching for you. I'm after you. And I know there are people that you hate right now and people that you despise. Can I tell you, go ahead and forgive them because Jesus is after them. Jesus wants them to be saved. Because he's the true shepherd. I didn't have you stand up and read any scriptures with me. We already read it today. You know, right in the middle of, at the end of worship, the Lord is my shepherd. You almost say it, the Lord is my shepherd. Whose shepherd is? He is my. I thought he was mine, but he's yours too. He's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's he's your shepherd. I shall not want. He's going to provide for me. He makes me lie down. In other words, he knows how to cause me to lie down. The the really, if you look at the scripture, the context of it is so brilliant because a shepherd writes it. And a shepherd understands what shepherds do. We don't necessarily get that. I don't know if there's too many shepherds in the house right now. Maybe you got a dog in the house. I don't know. Maybe you got a puppy in the house. But you better feed that puppy and you better take it out. Side. You better take it. We're watching two dogs right now. Our our uh, our family uh, from California. Uh, we're having to watch their dogs until they get here. So we're having to get up. And one of them, the only way this dog will sleep is if he's in our room. We tried to make that dog sleep downstairs with his uh, with the other dog. The other dog's calm anywhere. Oh, he's just laying around. He's so pretty. That's Ranger. But our text on the other occasion, it's like you, me. Finally, we realize he's got to have a place where he can lie down because of the issues in our lives. That's what a shepherd understood, that there were sheep that needed to lie down, so he would have to find a place, 
a meadow, a place where they were safe, where they were secure, where they knew they wouldn't be attacked, and caused them to lie down. He'd have to make sure they're comfortable. And, and, and there's so much in the scripture to lie down. He leads me beside still waters because they, they won't drink from rushing water. They will only drink from still water. So he has to find a place of still water. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in a place where I feel threatened, my shepherd will be there with me and I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff come for me. I don't have the tools to defeat the enemy, but my shepherd has never seen a lion or a bear or an enemy that he could not defeat on my behalf. That's my shepherd. He's the one who came to find me. And even, even though I'm struggling, even when I'm lost, have you ever heard of the story that Jesus tells about a shepherd who leaves the 99 and comes and finds the one? And you say, I don't understand that story. Read the story of Zacchaeus. Read his story. He was lost. He was alone. He was hated. He had blown it for the sake of this world and the things of this world. But Jesus came and said, come on down. I'm coming to your house. And salvation is coming home with you today. He knows you're lost. He knows where you are. Can I ask you, what tree are you hiding in? He was in a sycamore tree. You might be in an abused tree. You might be in a broken relationship tree. You might, come on, you might be in an impoverished situation tree. I don't know what your tree is. My, you know, I can't stand my parents' tree. I, I don't know who did what. I don't know why you're so wounded, but I'm glad at least you're in a tree because now that you have secluded yourself and isolated yourself, you're all caved up, you're all climbed up there in the top of the tree. Jesus, not only is he coming by, you'll have a good vantage point to see him as he approaches you. Jesus came to find you, and Jesus came to bring you home. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. I love rescue stories. Anybody else love rescue stories? Do you, I remember when I saw on the news that story about Elizabeth Smart. Remember that story? Anybody remember that story? She had been kidnapped for nine months. The whole time she was kidnapped, she was just, just uh, 18 miles away from her home, but they couldn't find her. And J.C. Dugard, remember that? That story just broke my heart. Kidnapped at 11 years old. She was just rescued. That was 11 years ago now that J.C. Dugard was rescued from her kidnappers. There's other stories. A young man named Julian Hernandez who had been kidnapped as a little boy and didn't realize it until he was applying for colleges and realized he had a faked social security number. And then he found himself. He found his own picture on the missing child database and then realized that his family were really his kidnappers. Some of you, that might ring a bell. I don't know. I just, you felt lost all your life. A guy named Steve Carter who realized 30 years later that his mother, who had abandoned him and left him in an orphanage, was actually his kidnapper. He had been kidnapped and then abandoned by the kidnapper. 
These are all horrible stories, but can I tell you? Being found is the theme of the New Testament. It is the lost son, the lost coin, the lost sheep. You see, we may not have been horribly kidnapped, but can I tell you did what did happen to you? You were born into an earth without God. Say, no, when I was born, I was, no, you were born, you were born without God. You were born broken. I know all them babies look cute, but you let them live in your house for about two weeks, you'll find out they need Jesus. Help me. No, I'm saying your children need Jesus. You say, well, I don't need to talk to them about Jesus. Yes, you do. They need to know all of the songs about Jesus. They need to know scripture. They need to know how to pray. Your children need the Lord. You need the Lord. Because we were separated from God at birth because we were born into bondage, literally separated from his presence Evidence of our lostness is often our addiction. And I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm saying we are addicted to ourselves, Addicted to the lies of this world that we believe. And you have probably been to Christmas service before, but it's just another Santa Claus story. It's cute, but it's not the answer to my life. Because in our lostness, we lost our God consciousness. We're more conscious to the things of this world than we are the things of heaven. We are much more aware of everything that's happening in the world and in the news than we are the things that are happening in the spirit. And we surrender to the fallen state and our lives are turned fully inward and we live in offense toward anyone that challenges our selfish attitude addictions to our own sinfulness. And you may not have come by it through just your own life. You're probably living out the same thing your family lived out. Your mama, your daddy, your grandparents. Somehow they were upset and they were angry and they were isolated. And so they raised you up in slavery to sin and self. And we struggle with feelings like it's all about me. I need to find my true self. And you realize that when you found your true self, you were still broken. No one in this world cares for me. I have to make it on my own. It's about me. Everybody else get out, out of my way. I'm a self-made man, self-made woman. Stop lying to yourself. We're trying to be made alive. We long to be made well. We long to be made well. And we do those things that make us feel alive. But more accurately, we are what the Bible says in Ephesians 2. We are dead in our trespasses and our sins. But the Bible says in verse 4 of Ephesians 2, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that we are saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love that. You know what that means? He came to bring you home. Okay, I got to tell you this. You may not know this. How many know where I'm from? Anybody know where I'm from? I was born in Kentucky. I was raised in Ohio, but my home is with Jesus. Somebody shout amen. My, 
that's that whole scripture. Remember this? You're, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I don't want you to be afraid. I, anybody love his disciples? I just absolutely love the disciples because we find out that Jesus uses them to help us understand our particular situation because he came to seek you and to save you from your lostness. He wanted to save those guys from their hurt, from their sins. He came for the one. You know, I, I love that he had messed up disciples. Anybody else love that like me? I just love watching them mess up. I love that perfect Peter. You know, he was such a man of God. <laughs> he was such a mess like me. Such a mess. I just following Jesus, see what I can get out of him so I can get a good seat when he takes over the world. I'm going to be on his cabinet. You know, I'm going to be one of his leaders, advisors. Maybe I'll be in charge of one of the nations. No. No, they were, they were lost. And they needed Jesus. John 10, 11 says, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Just two things I'm going to tell you. And it's going to be a very, they might be a little bit different from one another for some of you, but it's not for me. First question is, are you lost? Are you lost? I'm asking, are you lost? Online, if you're watching, say, yeah, I'm lost. You, you got a sermon note page there. I'm going to ask you. Go ahead and write it down. Are you lost? Hashtag, are you lost? Are you lost? Now answer the question. And don't be prideful about it. If I tell people I'm lost, they might push me away. No. Welcome to all of the rescues. He found me. He brought me home. He rescued me. I was lost. I was alone. He found me. I was away from Jesus, in need of Jesus. I was living in fear. I was confused about my relationship with Jesus. I was lost. I was faking it, trying to make everybody think I was all that. Came to Jesus. Came to church. Needed a girlfriend. Thinking maybe somebody would be there. You're right. All the best girls come to church. It's true. It's where I found my girlfriend and my wife. But hear me. Hear me. Don't say that's not me. Be honest about your situation. I'm going to help you. Because in order for us to be whole, in order for us to be in right relationship, Jesus just doesn't want to tag you and say, you're it. Notice that Jesus did not tell Zacchaeus, look, I'm going to go to your house. We're going to have a good dinner. Maybe we'll talk sometime. That's not what he did. He brought salvation to him. The disciples were struggling so much. He taught them. He spoke to them. He spoke peace over their life. But before he left, he said, guys, now I'm going away. And it's going to be good for you that I leave. What? Good for me that you leave? We kind of need you, Jesus. You have eternal words. You have the words of eternal life. How are we going to live without you? What are we going to do? And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's good for you that I go because if I go away, I will pray the Father and he will send another comforter to you. 
the Holy Spirit, and he will not just be with you. He will dwell inside of you. Oh, come on. Come on. Just point to yourself right now. Salvation is coming to my home, coming into my house. This temple that I live in, salvation is coming right here into my life. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Coming into my life. So you probably know this about me because I love to jump up and down, clap my hands, and worship Jesus. Um, I found Jesus as a little boy. And finding Jesus is important to me. And like the shepherds, you know, I, I wanted to find Jesus. I needed to find Jesus. But I was just a little boy. And as a little boy, um, there was something that was going on in my life because I grew up in a classical Pentecostal church. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, I may not be able to do all those cool dances. Because where I grew up, you weren't even allowed to go to the dances. I got an amen from anybody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Two people. One, two. Nobody else raising their hand. They're afraid they'll go to hell if they answer the question right now. (laughs) But one of the things that we sought after constantly was the Holy Spirit. Constantly sought after the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it seemed a little confusing at times. Because in seeking for the Holy Spirit, it was like, I'm seeking for the Holy Spirit. And if I do this, they'll believe that I have the Holy Spirit, so I'll do that. All right? So I start doing stuff to prove that I have the Holy Spirit. Which was the same thing I was doing as a sinner. Doing stuff to prove that Christ was in my life. I go to church. You know, I got a Bible. I read it once. Well, a couple of verses anyway. I do stuff. I say things. They can be very spiritual. They can talk like a preacher. You know. Don't that's not what Jesus died for. He never died so you could be more. But I found out that this is true. I found out this is true. That the Holy Spirit is real. And one of the reasons I'm lost is because even though I've confessed Jesus as my Lord, I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to live inside of me and to give me direction and give me wisdom and speak to me. Just like Anybody ever had the Holy Spirit just come and shine a light into your life? And you just knew that was the Lord. I have all these moments. One of my favorites was yesterday. Diane and I were trying to find a new nativity scene because ours is tired. I have zip-tied that thing together so many times, and it's still working. I got new lights, and I couldn't find one. We're driving down Princess Anne Road, and I see a, there's a pickup truck in front of me, and they've got some slats in it just kind of laying there in the back. And I looked up at it, and I said to Diana, I said, I don't like the way those slats are in that pickup truck. We need to be careful. I no more said that than one flew out of the pickup truck. And it wasn't like a square one. It was about eight foot long and it flipped heading toward our car. But I had just slowed slowed down because of my revelation. It missed my car. I stopped. The other traffic stopped and we got around it. You say, well, you know, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, even when I'm not talking to him, he's talking to me. (laughs) 
say, well, that mean I'll never run into a, anything on the road? No, I've seen you drive before. <laughs> no, it wasn't nice. There I go again. No, what I'm saying is, is that could have hit my windshield. It could have killed me. It could have hurt me. And the Lord protected me in that particular moment. One day when I die, I will not really be dead because I'm already resurrected and I'll be alive forevermore. So, so I'm not afraid of dying. You understand what I'm saying. But I want you not to be lost. And I'm saying if you're not going to be lost, you're going to need light. You're going to need Holy Spirit inside of you. And so that's why you need to say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Go ahead and say it. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Come on, say it honestly. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Say, say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Say, well, why don't you, why don't you get more specific? No, welcome, Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples before he left, he said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them and they received the Spirit. And when he went away, they accepted the power of the Holy Spirit as he fell on the day of Pentecost. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were able to communicate with people like they had never communicated before and to communicate with God like they'd never communicated before. Why? Because his spirit was dwelling inside of them. You see, you need to find Jesus and you need to find the spirit of Christ. Are you lost? Why are you lost? He's there. Look at the tree. He's there. Stand with me. Sing if you would. Stand with me. Altar workers come and be prepared to minister to people. Thanks to the Lord for the word today. Praise you, Lord, for speaking to us. Are you lost? What you need to do, find Jesus. Because he's looking for you. And he's there. and He's available. Pray with me, would you? Lord Jesus, say it. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I confess that I've sinned and I repent and I come to you with my whole heart. Save me by your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Now come, Holy Spirit, and fill my life so that I'll never be lost again. have your communion handy. Go ahead and pick that up. We're going to receive communion together. Stay with me. Did you open it? If you didn't have it, there is an usher standing in the hallway. It's ready to serve you. We love receiving communion here. Have you noticed that? We love it. 
Communion is actual fellowship with the Lord Jesus. It's not just to remember what he did, but it is to be a participant. And so as the Lord blessed the bread and blessed the cup and said, receive it, so you should receive the body of Christ and the blood of the Lord Jesus. You ready to receive? Are you ready to receive? As part of the church, because you've confessed Christ, are you ready to receive his body and his blood? Are you ready to say amen? amen. So we bless this. Receive communion with the Lord, the body of Christ. Receive the bread. The blood of the new covenant, by his blood, your sins are completely removed. I know you think about them all the time. Jesus doesn't. He removed them with, your, with his blood. Receive the cup. Praise you. Now let's give him thanks for the work of the cross that he has accomplished. Now, as they sing, we're going to dismiss the gathering. However, we're not dismissing our time of prayer. Perhaps you need to just kneel and pray right where you are. You're welcome to. There's plenty room there in that seat. You can kneel and pray. But also there are individuals that will pray with you and for you. Here's the question. Are you lost? Are you lost? I'm not saying are you without Christ. Are you lost? Are you struggling right now in your life? Are you lost? Would you like somebody to pray with you? You want somebody to speak to you? Listen, I'm going to use this word, confession. Say it, confession. Confession is powerful. It's powerful. It's not that we want to know your dirty secrets. Confession. When you confess your sins, your shame goes away. The secrecy of it is gone. That's why he tells us to confess one to another. So if you're carrying some mess, these are some good individuals that you can trust. I wouldn't allow them to be standing here if you couldn't trust them. You can trust them, and they've already sought the Lord with their heart. And you can come and talk to them, not just be prayed for. And they might have a word for you. So, Father, now, as we complete this gathering, that you would allow your spirit to rest upon those who have some lostness in their life that they want to deal with, in their home, in their family, whatever the struggle is. Father, I pray that you would come, and we rebuke the enemy who holds us back from your best. We tell him that he must leave and every foul spirit to let go of God's people. We release people to be set free, to come out of their tree houses and into your presence so that you might set them free. I pray, God, for those who are struggling in their homes and their marriages where they feel lost. I pray, God, for those individuals who are struggling just with life in general, with confusion, with old hurt and with old pain. Lord, I speak peace to them now in the name of Jesus and for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come swiftly. If you would like prayer, come swiftly. Wherever you are, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. You can come right now. People will pray with you and for you, and you will find healing and peace in your life. May the Lord bless you all. May the Lord keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace. I love you, freedom. Go in the peace of the Lord. Be dismissed when you choose. Can't wait to see you back in church Wednesday and next Sunday. If you need us, call us. Bye-bye. Sing. Sing.